Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Numbers 18, we're going to read verses 5 through 7. So the Lord says, you yourselves, I'll fill in the, the blanks on who God's talking to, You yourselves must perform the sacred duties inside the sanctuary and at the altar. If you follow these instructions, the Lord's anger will never again blaze against the people of Israel. I myself have chosen your fellow Levites from among the Israelites to be your special assistants. They are a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord for service in the tabernacle. But you and your sons... The priests must personally handle all the priestly rituals associated with the altar, listen, and everything behind the inner curtain. I'm giving you the priesthood as your special privilege of service. Any unauthorized person who comes too near the sanctuary will be put to death. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for every detail. Because, Lord, I know that you don't waste words and you don't leave any words out. And I pray that you'd help us to rightly divide your truth today and help us to see what it is you brought us here to show us. And, Lord, I pray that we not just be hearers of your word, but that we're doers of it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We've been in this series called Patriarchs, Prophets, and Priests. And we've been in the series for a little while now. Um, And most of the time, they've been pretty specific to an individual, kind of character sketches of the events of the lives of our Old Testament heroes of the faith uh, as recorded in Scripture. And today is no exception to that. Now, let me ask you a really important question. Okay, not really important, but a question. Um, Do you know why you pick up your cell phone and say, hello? Why do you do that? Why do we say we're cranking the car when you don't have to crank the car? Why do you say you're rolling the windows down when you don't really roll windows down anymore? Anyway, why do you say hello when you answer the phone? You almost always know exactly who's calling before you pick it up. Do y'all have cell phones? Why y'all staring at me like you've never used one before? You know good and well if you don't know who it is, you ain't answering the phone. Can I get a witness, somebody? Thank you very much. Lying in church is not good. All right. You, you know who it is. Here's why you say hello. A long, long time ago, people didn't have cell phones. It's shocking, I know. You, but, but they didn't. Telephones were in the home. All right. They were physically attached to the wall. Now you might have a 50 foot spiral cord attached to it so you could walk around the house but they were attached to the wall. If you weren't home when somebody called you, you just didn't get the call. Does that sound good to anybody? (laughs) Anyway, that's a whole other thing. There was no caller ID. The phone just rang. 
And if you wanted to know who was calling, you had to answer it. So when you answered the phone, you said, hello? Because you had no idea who was calling. There, there's, there's probably a video of it somewhere on YouTube. A video of the ancients answering the phone. You should, you should see it sometime. Now, if you were the one calling, you had no idea who was going to answer the phone. Because you're just calling the house. Anybody in the house. Listen, I've answered people's phones and it wasn't even my house. I just happened to walk by and it's ringing. So you just answer the phone. So you didn't know. So anyone in the house so could, so could have answered. So when they said hello, then you would ask for the individual that you were calling. And sometimes they were polite and they would set the phone down gently and they would go and find personally the individual that you wanted to talk to. But most of the time, they just held the phone and hollered the name of the person you had asked for and usually said, it's for you. And then slam the phone down and walk away. Now, I know that's ridiculous. And you're like, how old are you? And I know it's kind of a, a silly scenario. But I, but I want to tell you today, you don't have to wonder who's calling you. God is calling you. God is calling. And you don't have to wonder who the call is for. It's for you. It's for you. Today's message is titled, The Call is for You. God's calling each and every one of us to be a part of His kingdom for a purpose. Now, how you approach and answer that call is incredibly important. So we're going to look at some of the ways that our Old Testament friends handled the call of God on their lives and try to learn some things that will help, help us handle it in our lives. It's going to take probably a couple weeks to get through uh, these things. But here's the first thing that I want us to see, and that's this. It, it's, and this is the only one we'll get to talk about today, but it's a personal call. It's a personal call. Now, let me give you the background here because I know you, you saw the title is, is about Aaron. Most everybody has heard of Moses. Um, he was a little Hebrew baby who was found and raised by the daughter of the Egyptian pharaoh. So he was raised as an Egyptian, although he was a Hebrew. And, and Moses was called by God to be the one who went into Egypt and led the children of Israel, the people of Israel, out of slavery in Egypt. Now when God called him, and this is a whole other message that we'll probably do in this series, but when God called him, he protested. He said, all, like almost everybody else does, hey God, I can't do that. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not your guy. I can't do that. He protested. He said, I'm not able to be your mouthpiece to the people of Israel because I have a speech impediment and I can't do that. So God allowed Moses to have his brother Aaron alongside of him to speak on his behalf. So God would speak to Moses. Moses would tell Aaron. Aaron would tell the people. So, so understand Moses is in a completely different country and he just got volunteered. By his, y'all ever been voluntold by your brother or your sister that you've been fixing to do something? Or you're in trouble and you want your brother in there with you. So that's pretty much what Moses did. So Aaron hadn't heard of none of this, but Moses just volunteered him to lead the people of Israel. So Moses led the people out with Aaron by his side. 
And at God's direction, Moses trying to get everything and everyone organized because he's got a, maybe a couple million people with him that he's leading. He's trying to get every, everything organized. So at this point in Scripture, Moses has already been to the mountain, Mount Sinai, to receive the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law. He's already sent the spies into the promised land, and the people had already refused to go in. So now Moses and Aaron uh, realize they're going to they're gonna have to serve God and govern the people of Israel for 40 years as, as they wait for another chance to enter the promised land. So God, in our scripture today, God told Aaron, you're going you're, you're gonna, to uh, operate within the tribe of people that you came from. So you're from the tribe of Levi, and so I'm calling all of the Levites, but there's something specific that I want you to do. There's something different about what I want you to do. He said, I've got something for you that's not for everyone. It was personal for Aaron. It would require that he be set apart. It would require that he be different from other people. But it was exactly what God wanted him to do. Now, if there's anything I've wanted you to, to grasp as we've done this series, sort of the big picture, what I want you to see is that every one of us has a personal call of God on our lives. All of us. Each one of us. All right? I want to show it to you in several places today, but here's the first place. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, We are God's masterpiece. He created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. Listen, we are called, we are chosen, we are gifted, we're set apart. And the call of God for you, the work that God wants you to do, was created specifically for you. It says you are a masterpiece. Nobody accidentally makes a masterpiece. It's, it's done with intention. That means we're created on purpose with a purpose. The, we have good things that God wants us to do that were created, according to Scripture, for us a long time ago. He didn't just look down and go, hmm, what am I going to do with that one? Isn't that how, what, how we think about the way God thinks of us? We're like God, we, we feel like God looks at us and says, hmm, I don't know what I'm going to do with that one right there. He created you on purpose with a specific purpose in mind. It's not an accident. God's not surprised by you. He created us for he created work for us to do a long time ago. Our calling it's is personal. It's individualized. It's not accidental. God called you for a reason. The call is for you. So if God has a call for everyone, why aren't more people living out that call? A lot of people don't answer the call of God because they think they're unworthy. Right? I'm not qualified. I'm not worthy. That's the call of God's for special people. Let me show you this. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. The, the Apostle Paul said, Listen, I'm a prisoner for serving the Lord, and I'm begging you to lead a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. Some people get confused because it says walk worthy of the calling. Here's the good news. What Jesus did for you on the cross makes you worthy. 
So stop looking in the mirror and start looking at the cross. All right? Being worthy is not up to you. Our worthiness comes from Jesus. And guess what? The only way we can continue to walk worthy of the calling is if we continue to stay in Jesus, connected to the vine, connected to him, depending on him, depending on his spirit to recreate us. Old things passing away, all things becoming new. Now, I want you to look at what it says later in that chapter. Ephesians chapter 4, he's still sort of having this conversation with the Ephesians. And he says, listen, since you've heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, anybody heard about Jesus? Anybody heard the truth? Then here's what we do next. Throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, and instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts And your attitudes, oh Lord, our attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's how you get worthy. If he made you worthy when you got saved, he can and will show you how to walk worthy as you follow him. The call is for you. It's personal. And he's with you. He's not going to call you and leave you on your own, see how it works out. He's with you. Now, a lot of people don't answer the call of God because they think the call of God is insignificant, that that what God's asking them to do is not a big deal. You you may have missed this in the passage, but, but God said in this passage in Numbers he said, Aaron, if you'll carry out your responsibilities as, as priest, then my anger won't ever have to blaze against the people of Israel again. What in the world does that mean? Well, there had been a number of people who had been rebelling against God uh, and trying to walk in priestly duties on their own. They were looking at Aaron and said, there's nothing special about you. Why, why do you get to do these things and we don't get to do these things? We're going to go burn our own incense. We're going to go do our own thing. There's nothing special about you. And, and that was not something that God was into at all. He met that rebellion with overwhelming force. Thousands of people died because of it. Why? Because the call to the priesthood was for Aaron, not for anybody else. It was personal. They couldn't walk in somebody else's calling any more than you can walk in somebody else's calling. Like you, you're not gonna, you can't just run up here on the platform and say, well, what's special about John? I'm pastoring the church now. That's not how this works. There, there is a calling of God for each of us. Aaron answering the call of God as priest wasn't insignificant. It, 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 was, it was important. It wasn't just about himself. It was about the whole nation of Israel. The significance of his obedience to answering the call went way beyond just his obedience or his disobedience. There were people's lives on the line. Listen, there's no such thing as insignificant in the kingdom of God. There's just not. Whatever God has called you to is important. Obedience in the small things, whatever we consider small, is just as important as obedience in whatever we think are the big things. It all works together. Do you, do you remember uh, the, the space shuttle Challenger disaster? Do you remember that? In 1986, I was a junior in high school. It was January I think January 28th, 1986, um, the shuttle exploded, killed all seven crew members on board, cost billions of dollars. 
for the for the government for to replace the shuttle. Um, do you remember what caused the explosion? It was a little rubber O-ring. It was a rubber O-ring that, um, compared to everything else on the shuttle, may have been the most inexpensive thing on the whole deal, right? So was this O-ring relatively cheap? Absolutely. Was it insignificant? Clearly not. The call is for you. And it doesn't matter your perception of big things or small things. All the things of God are important. The Apostle Paul said we're like a body. We're like a body. Some parts seem to get more honor. Some parts seem to be more important. Some parts seem to be bigger or smaller. But listen, if you're part of the body, they're all important. Doesn't matter if the call of God for you is an office or if it's just a specific opportunity. It doesn't matter if it's a lifelong vocation that's going to change the trajectory of your life or, or if, it's, if it's just being faithful to serve over a long period of time or if it's stepping up at just the right time for such a time as this. Do what God calls you to do because you can never tell what he's got in mind for it. The, the, least, the least obedience in what seems to be the smallest of things can have an outsized impact in the world. You just don't know what your obedience is going to do. There's nothing insignificant about it. Gideon, Gideon said in the book of Judges, he said, I am the most insignificant person in my family, and my family is the most insignificant in the whole tribe. But God still used him to deliver Israel and to keep them safe from their enemies for 40 years. The little boy who went to hear Jesus preach took him a little sack lunch. He just brought enough food for himself. But because he offered it to Jesus, those five loaves and two fish fed about 20,000 people. Nothing insignificant about it when God calls. Other people don't answer the call. Because they get intimidated by how other people do it. They start comparing themselves. Oh, I could never be like that. I could never do it like that. When I, I've been in ministry for 30 years, but it's only been the last 10 that I've been pastoring and, and preaching on a regular basis. And, and man, especially when I first started, I'd get so intimidated by, by other preachers. I'd, I'd go hear people and go, oh. I, I went to hear Kevin Wallace. Y'all heard Kevin Wallace at... Uh, something in Chattanooga, Redemption for the Nations. Yeah, that's, Kevin Wallace is a preaching machine. The man is just unbelievable. The insight, the anointing. We had, they had him in North Georgia for a state meeting. And I remember coming home, Robbie can attest to this, I remember coming home from that meeting and I was thinking about coming home just quitting. For real, I was not encouraged by the state meeting at all. I, I came home and I was like, God, if that's what you're calling me to do, I may as well go ahead and just quit now. Quit wasting the energy now because I'm never going to be Kevin Wallace. And what I, what I found out is that God wasn't calling me to be Kevin Wallace. He already had a Kevin Wallace. What God was calling me to be was a John Butler. And guess what? God needs, he's already got a John Butler. Now he needs one of you. 
He needs you to be obedient to whatever it is God called you to do, to do it however he placed it inside of you. Whoever you are and whatever you feel like God's called you to do, God needs it or he wouldn't have called you. And he needs you to do it or he would have called somebody else. Listen, let's just follow this analogy. There is no wrong numbers when God dials the phone. He called you. He did it on purpose. He prepared this work for you, this calling for you a long time ago. Trust him and walk in it. The call's for you, not for anybody else. It's a personal call. It's a personal call. Now, here's the other context in which this, uh, the call of God is a personal call. As I was reading this passage, the, the one thing just captured my heart. So God was calling Aaron's tribe, the tribe of Levi, to a life of service in the tabernacle of God. It would be their calling from generation to generation. So if you were a man born in the tribe of Levi, this was what you were going to do. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. That's what God called you to do. And God was calling Aaron and his sons to be his priests. And again, it would be passed down from generation to generation. God was going to over the... uh, God God was going to... was going over the expectations and the responsibilities with Aaron, uh, trying to let him know all the rules and regulations. But what God said to Aaron and to his two sons who were with him really captured me. God said, you've got a whole tribe of people to help you with stuff. Right? You remember the scripture we read? You've got a whole tribe of people to help you with stuff. But what happens at the altar and what happens behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies, you can't delegate that. You have to do that for yourself. This call for Aaron and for the, for the priest, it was not administrative. It was personal. It's personal. Now, two quick things that were probably rolling around in your mind, the first of which is what in the world is the Holy of Holies and like what happened behind the curtain? I don't know anything about this. Well, the Holy of Holies was, as the name indicates, the holiest place in the tabernacle, which was all holy, but the holiest place in the tabernacle was the Holy of Holies, and, and, and it was covered by this thick, uh, high curtain. And behind the curtain is, is where the Ark of the Covenant was. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And God had promised to meet them in the Holy of Holies. He, would, he promised to inhabit the mercy seat when they would come in. They would come and they would burn incense and worship to him. And they would ask forgiveness for their own sins. And they would, uh, they would ask forgiveness for the sins of Israel. And they would intercede on behalf of the nation. Once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and carry out these functions. Couldn't be anybody else. Had to be the high priest. It was personal. The second question that you're probably asking is, why does it even matter? Like, who cares? We don't have to do that anymore. Well, that, that call is, was for the priesthood. That was for Aaron and the priest. Well, let me show you First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you're not like that. You're a chosen people. I told you you were called. You were chosen. You were set apart. You are royal priests. This is New Testament, y'all. This is the, the, the Apostle Peter said, You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. As a result, you show the goodness of God because he called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous 
our wonderful light. This matters. The calling of Aaron matters because we are priests. God's call to Aaron as priest still speaks to what he's called us to do. And we're going to talk about that more specifically in just a second. But do you remember, there's one last thing before I put this all together. Do you remember what happened in the account of the crucifixion at the precise moment that Jesus released his spirit, breathed his last, and died? you remember what happened? Matthew 27, verse 51. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. The curtain that had kept everyone out but the high priest was torn from top to bottom. It opened up access to the Holy of Holies because of Jesus. So let, let me show you Hebrews chapter 4. This, again, this is New Testament. Hebrews, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. That's the mercy seat, y'all. There we receive his mercy. We find grace to help us when we need it the most. Let me show you in chapter 10, verse 19. So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. We don't get to go into the, the place in Jerusalem. We get to go into the real holy of holies in heaven. We get to go into the heaven's most holy place. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who rules over God's house... Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Our bodies have been washed with pure water. Listen, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he shed his blood as the sacrifice for sin once for all, then we can come right into the holy of holies just like Aaron and the high priest did. We can approach the mercy seat where we can ask for God's grace and mercy for ourselves and for others when we need it the most. We can offer the incense of worship before the very throne of God. But here's the question that has gripped my heart since I read this scripture. How am I handling, how am I handling the things that God said only I can do? How am I handling the things behind the curtain? The things that nobody else sees. The call of God for Aaron. The call of God for us is personal. He said, you have to do this yourself, Aaron. You can't let somebody else do this for you. You have to do this. This is what we're called to above all else. A whole lot of other stuff might be able to be overlooked, might be able to be done somebody, by somebody else, but this is the stuff that has to be done, and it has to be done by us. The call's personal. The stuff behind the curtain is the most important stuff. Are we taking our responsibility for worship or are we expecting Corey and the team to do that for us? Listen, standing in the sanctuary while other people worship God does not transfer to you automatically. 
That is their worship to their God for themselves. They cannot worship God for you. They can lead you to the throne. They can show you the way. They can lead you behind the curtain, so to speak. They can lead you to the mercy seat. But you've got to burn the incense for yourself. This probably needs to be a much larger conversation, but I think the core of the problem is that worship is a verb and we've turned it into an adjective. Worship is a verb, but we, we make it an adjective. We still call it a worship service even when nobody worships. We, we call it worship music even when nobody's worshiping. And it's deceptive because we think because we went to church or because we're listening to Christian radio all week that we've worshiped. Worship is not passive. It's not happening and you not be aware of it. Worship is active. Worship is a verb. Worship has to be engaged in. You have to engage your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have to engage your spirit. Worship has to happen in spirit and in truth. Worship is a one-on-one proposition. It doesn't happen in a group. John, why do we come to church and worship together? We worship together as a group, but we are a collection of individuals worshiping God for ourselves all at the same time. Does that make sense? It does not transfer. If you go to a restaurant and sit down and don't eat, do you walk out full? (laughs) I could go to a gym... Yes, I have, once or twice. I'm not going to walk out buff just because other people are exercising. Clearly. That's what I was hoping for. It does not work that way. It's a one-on-one proposition. It's personal. You have to light your own incense. And it's time to light it up, y'all. Nobody else can do it. Light it up when you're at church. Light it up when you have a few minutes at home. It's perhaps the most personal of the things that he's calling us to. I came in a couple weeks ago, and I was just wild when I got home. Like, my eyes, I was just crazy. I was just... And, And Valerie said... You need to take like 20 minutes. And she's pushing me the whole time. And you need to go in here and you need to worship. She'd she'd go, Valerie. She's like, I ain't dealing with you like this. God going to deal with you. And when he fixes you, you come on out and be with the rest of us normal people. And she was right. I went on. I put some. I didn't put my face in the bed. Oh, it just let God like make me human again, make me fit for human companionship again. And then I wandered on out. And was like, I'm okay. <laughs> I come in peace. Everything's good. All right. I don't want to eat people now. All right. 
You have to light it up for yourself. Because I promise you, in that moment, Valerie would have worshipped for me if she could have. That's not how that works. Listen, nobody can handle your prayer life for you either. You have to pray for yourself. Jesus has already paid the price. He already shed his blood to be the sacrifice. But you have to confess your own sins. Nobody else can do that for you. Listen, how often do you confess your sins and repent before God? You say, well, I I got saved. Aren't my sins forgiven? The ones you had already committed were, but he don't give you like a free pass for the rest of your life. 1 John says, don't sin. But if you do... Right? You can bring it to the Father. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you have to confess and repent, even as believers. We need to do it every day. More than that, if it's like a bad week, do it however you need. You have access to the throne. You can go and listen, y'all, there's been t- I just go stand at the throne. Because I know I'm going to need him as soon as I walk away. So just go stand at the throne of grace, asking forgiveness, asking for his mercy, asking for the strength to develop the character and the, and the nature of Christ in you. It's personal. Nobody else can do that for you. This is our calling. No matter what other appointment God might make for us, we may, we may be appointed in all different places, but we are all priests And God said, you have to handle the stuff behind the curtain. We've got the responsibility to pray for other people. We have to intercede for people besides ourselves. Can't just pass it on to the prayer team. We're all priests of God. We all have access to the throne. We have to pray for people ourselves. Nothing is clearer in Scripture. Prayer, worship, and prayer, which all run together, prayer is the hallmark of a healthy and faithful follower of Jesus Christ. We have to pray. John, why is the American church so weak and so anemic? More to the point, why am I so weak? Why am I so anemic? Because we are too busy, we are too distracted, we're too wounded, we're too hurt, we're too proud, we're too exhausted to pray. We're too everything to pray. Why? Because the enemy knows that God expects us and is waiting on us to pray. So if he can keep us from doing it, he can keep us completely powerless. Y'all, I live in the real world just like you do. And there are times that you get to the end of the day and you realize you made time for everything else except the most important stuff. Doesn't matter how good you are when the lights come on. God wants to know how you're handling things behind the curtain. We've all, we've all, if you've been in church for longer than a year or whatever, you've, you've seen or heard, you don't even have to be in church, it's all over the news of, of leaders, Christian leaders and pastors who are fabulous when the lights come on. <laughs> but their personal lives is a wreck. God wants to know 
how you're handling the stuff behind the curtain. How you handle the things behind the curtain will determine your eternal effectiveness of what happens when the lights come on. Not the temporal effectiveness because people can still love and adore you even when everything is falling apart. Even when you're leading them in the wrong direction. You know why I think it was so important for God to tell Aaron specifically, you have to handle what's behind the curtain. I want, you to, I want you to see this because at the point of our scripture that we read just a few minutes ago, this had already happened. Exodus 32, verses 1 through 6. When the people, so Moses was up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, getting the Ten Commandments and all the law, and it, it takes a minute. So when the law, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said, Hey, come on and make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. Been gone 30 days and now he's just, oh, that guy Moses, whoever he was. We don't know what happened to him. He's the guy that brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the, take, listen, he just said it. Just right up, just take the gold ear, rings from your ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. Bring me your gold jewelry, he said. And all the people took off their gold rings from their ears and they brought them to Aaron. And Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed. They were excited. Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Aaron, please pay attention to this. Aaron saw how excited the people were. So he built an altar in front of the calf. Bad enough, he built the calf. Now he's building an altar in front of the calf. And he said, he, he announced, tomorrow's going to be a festival to the Lord. And the people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. And this they celebrated. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and indulged in pagan revelry. Listen, that fifth verse terrified me. Leadership is not about taking people where they want to go. You don't need a leader to take you where you want to go. You're going to go there yourself. Leadership is about taking people where they need to go, and that's an entirely different proposition. Aaron got intoxicated by the roar of the crowd, the approval of the masses. It says in your Bible, he got so excited by what happened when the lights were on that he doubled down on his heresy and his idolatry, and he led millions of people astray. Aaron was there at the parting of the Red Sea, probably right behind Moses. That very morning, Aaron had eaten manna for breakfast. How in the world could someone who had seen the miraculous interventions of God just in a moment turn his back on God like that? The chronology is a little hard to to figure out because it's from Exodus to Numbers. It's a little hard to try to figure out exactly what he already, he already knew. But, but I think part of the reason that Aaron was so easy to turn his back on the Lord is that he had not yet spent enough time behind the curtain. Listen, don't miss this. This may be why God brought you here this morning. Don't be surprised what you're capable of if you don't spend enough personal time 
behind the curtain. You talk to the people who have, who have done incredible things in the kingdom of God, and then it's seemingly overnight. They go in the complete opposite direction and do things that you could never wrap your mind around. Why is that? It has to be because they haven't spent enough time after the lights go down and nobody else is watching behind the curtain. We've talked about this before. I think it was in, in Daniel in this series. But character counts. And character is not what happens on this platform. I've been in church my whole life. And I know what I need to say when I'm in this pulpit. I know what that, whether I ever have personal devotion time or not, whether I ever actually seek the Lord, I know what I should say when I'm in, when the lights are on, when it's church time, and y'all do too, right? Listen, y'all don't leave me hanging out here. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You know what to say. You know what the right answer is. You, you know what Christianese is. You know all of that stuff. That's not, don't you remember Jesus said, they're going to come to me and they're going to say, Lord, Lord. And, and they're going to say, hey, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. And that was all stuff they did when the lights were on. And Jesus is like, but I didn't know you. We never had time behind the curtain. We never had time in worship. We never had time in prayer. We, I don't know you. I know you did stuff, but I don't know you. I know the call of God is different for everybody and we're not all going to express it the same way and it, it's all different and that's fine. But we are, all, we are a kingdom of priests of God forever. And these are the things that are common to all of us and we can't delegate and we can't let somebody else do those things for us. We must worship. We must confess our sins and repent. We must intercede for other people. We, we have to spend time in His presence. It has to be a priority. The call is for you. And it's personal. You must answer the call for yourself. And the phone's ringing. He's calling today. He's calling today. When I was finishing up this message, um, I typed that line that we put on the screen. Don't be surprised what you're capable of. You don't spend enough time behind the curtain. And I started to weep and repent before the Lord. Because I don't want to be the next headline. And I'm telling you, it's easy to do everything else but the things that only you can do. You have to find a way. You have to. I have to find a way to make sure I'm taking care of the stuff behind the curtain. Because that's the most important thing. And you do too.
Uh, John, I don't know if I'm worthy. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if this is important. I don't know, I don't know about all of this. I, take care of the stuff behind the curtain. And God will take care of the rest. Y'all stand with me. Corey and the team's going to sing one more song. During that time, you, the, the altar is open. It's always open. But specifically at this time of the service, uh, when the Lord has shared the word with us, then we, we, need, to, we need to respond. We need to, tell, we need to tell the Lord, hey, I hear, I hear you. I get it. I understand. And then do something about it. And so if you want to respond to this word whatever way you, you need to, then you come to this altar and, and be, make yourself at home. Do that. If you've got something else going on in your life because we're all in different places, you've got a big decision to make, you've got something in your body, some physical uh, uh, issue going on, if you've you got a relationship thing happening and you need some, some help, whatever it is, you can come to this altar and you can lay your burdens down before the Lord. This is the hard work. Man, this is, this is the hard work, but it's what makes the most difference. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you just draw us into your arms today? Would you draw us into your presence? Oh, God, I pray for myself, and I think for a whole lot of people in this place today. Lord, help us to desire your presence more than entertainment. Help us to desire time in your word, desire time in prayer, desire time in worship more than we do the things that we distract ourselves with. Help us to prioritize the stuff behind the curtain. And Lord, whatever else is going on in the lives of people, I just pray that you'd move and uh, on their behalf that you, your will would be accomplished in every area of our lives in Jesus' name. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.